Publisher Podcast, episode 118. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Quick question for you. How much do you know about Enneagrams? And have you ever thought about how knowing and understanding your Enneagram can impact your writing? Well, that's what we're digging into in today's episode. But first, as a reminder, it is January 24th as this podcast goes out live, 2024, and we are in the final countdown to the Women in Publishing Summit. Our virtual event runs March 6th through 9th, 2024, and you can learn all about it at womeninpublishingsummit.com. Be sure to grab your ticket while there's still $50 off in early bird pricing before the price goes up to the full price of $247. We are having such a blast as we prepare for the conference with pre-conference bonus workshops, with networking events. Our Facebook group is alive and well and really active and engaged with people asking questions and providing support and getting to know each other. And we'd really love to have you. The Women in Publishing Summit really focuses on community growth and building your just right community as you go through the process of either writing and publishing your book or being a professional in the industry. We're open to both sides. We have a lot of professionals in the community and it is just a great place to meet the connections that you need to move forward in your career, whether that is as an author or as a publisher in the publishing industry. We also focus heavily on training and bringing forth the best resources to help you decide what you need, when you need it, and what's going to best move you forward in your journey. So I really hope that you'll check us out, womeninpublishingsummit.com, and grab your ticket as soon as possible so that you don't miss anything that we have going on between now and the conference. The conference is fully live, although it's virtual, but everything is recorded. So if you can't make it to all sessions, it's okay. You'll have the whole year to go back and watch things and really use these wonderful sessions to help you in your writing process and your publishing and your marketing and all those things. Our first day focuses on writing. Our second day focuses on editing and routes to publishing and understanding the publishing industry. And day three is all about marketing. We have so many cool sessions to help people no matter where you are, whether you're in the beginning stages or whether you've already published multiple books, we have some great sessions to help you. And then day four is all about business growth, growing, selling more, building more income, revenue streams, speaking, doing things to grow your platform, all of those great, great topics to cover. So I really hope you'll join us. I know I'm biased because it's my event, but I can assure you, you will find community and you will find resources and you will get training that's going to help you move forward. We've had people that have lives have literally been changed by this conference, which feels really dramatic to say, but the truth is this event is special and we really want you to be a part of it. So head on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com, grab your ticket, and we hope to see you there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. 
All right. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Publish Her podcast. We're going to be talking about something a little different than we've ever discussed before today, which I'm excited about, but all of it in relationship to how you can be a better writer and use different tools to help you enhance what you already have within yourself, I suppose would be a good way as we dig into Enneagram types and writing. So today with me, I have Mary Adkins, who is a writing coach and founder of The Book Incubator, a 12-month program to write, revise, and pitch your novel or memoir. She is author of the novels, When You Read This, Indie Next Pick, Best Book of 2019 by Good Housekeeping and Real Simple, Privilege, Today.com, Best Summer Read, New York Post, Best Book of the Week, and Palm Beach, recently named one of the New York Post's Best Book of 2021. Congratulations. Those are great honors. Um, Her books have been published in 13 countries, and her essays and reporting have appeared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, Slate, and more. A graduate of Yale Law School and Duke University, so a very intelligent woman we are discussing with today. (laughs) She helps aspiring authors finish their books with joy and clarity. You can apply for the book Incubator by going to apply.maryadkinswriter.com and that link and anything else that we want to include after the conversation today will be included in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't crash your car to write that down. You can go to the show notes (laughs) and grab all of those links in a moment. So welcome, Mary. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Excited to be here. Okay. Let's talk just first to get everyone into it. You're a novelist. Um, so how did your writing begin? I, as you said, I, I did go to law school, but I was not a lawyer for very long. I was a lawyer <laughs> for seven months, which oh. at the law firm where I went was a record. No one had left that early. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine people don't probably do that too often. <laughs> no. Um, and it's because being a lawyer was not a good fit. I was not a very good lawyer. I didn't like being a lawyer, but I also really wanted to be writing. And I think like most writers, I think I knew, like I knew since I was a little girl that that's really what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. But it wasn't until I, I I also had really liked school. So like I loved law school, but just like I had loved college, but it wasn't until I was in the workforce, um, as a lawyer that it really hit me. Oh, I want to be, I want to be writing. I want to be doing that as a career. So I, I quit, like I said, my job pretty early on and decided I wanted to, to write and, um, like books. I knew I wanted to write novels and pretty early and, but I didn't know how, I mean, I'd never, I took, I had taken one creative writing course in college and, um, the, the professor had given me B minus on my first story <laughs> <laughs> and that had deterred me for years. And so, and that was, so I didn't take any more creative writing classes in college. So then I quit my law job to, to become a novelist and just like, I remember Googling how many words are in a novel and the internet said 70,000. And so I just wrote until I hit that number. (laughs) And then unsurprisingly that draft needed a lot of work. (laughs) And so it took, it was six or seven years um, of reworking that draft and like actually, actually learning how to write a novel um, before I found a literary agent for it. And after that, you know, things, after that, things got easier, but it, it, it took me a while to kind of navigate that world. So all of your books have been traditionally published. Yes. Oh, that's great. And I would uh, like, was that journey of finding a literary agent difficult? What was that? I know that has nothing to do with our topic, but these are the things people are always curious about. Did that take a long time? Was that a good experience? It was by far the hardest part 
of my whole <laughs> writing career was getting the literary agent. Um, I pitched, I queried agents for years. Mm. Um, I, and I would, you know, it was this iterative process. I'd be pitching agents. They would ask for a full manuscript. They would read it. They would say no, but with some, something vague, like it's the voice, or I just didn't really relate to the story. You know, it would be like, not something I really knew how to act on and, but I would rework the draft anyway, over and over. And then interestingly, and this is what I always tell people about finding a literary agent. I found it to be a lot more like dating than I expected it to be. <laughs> it was not like, I would have a lot of kind of flirtations with uh -huh. <laughs> literary agents where they'd be like, mm, let's talk, you know, or we would have phone conversations or that we'd get on the, and, and they would say things like, well, would you consider writing this different book? And they would pitch me a book idea. And <laughs> That would be interesting. And it'd be, and then I would think about it. And in a couple of instances, I, I actually said, yeah, I'll, I'll work that up. And so I would like work up a book proposal for an idea that they wanted me to write. So it was this really interesting back and forth. And my, my literary agent ended up being, who's still my literary agent ended up being someone who I had this kind of back and forth with for a while before she offered me representation. Wow. Um, she, she said no to my novel draft, but she said, I do have thoughts for you. So we got on the phone. She was generous enough that we spoke for about 45 minutes. And, um, so I rewrote the draft. I sent it to her again. She's like, no, <laughs> she said no again. It was like a parable. She said no three times. And then, um, and then I sent it to her one last time and she's like, yes, you've done it. So Yay. it was, this kind of, it was a happy ending in the end, but Altogether, I think we had, we had back and forths of my, uh, with my drafts for maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Um, so it was that none of that process was what I expected. Right. Well, I think that's a really important message for people to hear, because I think, um, you know, with self-publishing, making it so easy for people to just finish their books and get it out there. I think that has created an entire culture of people that feel like this should just be a really quick thing. Like I'm bo my book is done. I should get an agent if I'm going the traditional route and it's going to be really quick. But, you know, um, I have another one of our authors who went with an agent um, or her agent posted on social media the other day that it had been 18 months and the book was finally ready to pitch to, to, so, you know, it's a long, even, even once you find that agent, it can still be a long time going through all of the process to get it where it even needs to be to pitch it. So that's important. I think that's really important for authors to understand that the traditional route, obviously with the successes that you've had with your book and the awards that it's won and things like that, like those are I think those are some of the biggest benefits of being traditionally published, um, but it's not an easy road to get there. No. And my agent and I also had what you just described. So after she signed with me, we spent almost a year and a half working on the manuscript together wow. after that. Wow. So we, we started working together in the fall of 2015 we sold the book in the spring of 2017 and wow. it came out in the spring of 2019. Wow. So between wow. when four my years. agent offered me representation and when the book like hit, hit shelves was four years. Yeah. Wow. That's, I think that's really important for people to note. It's also, I mean, you know, I'm in the process of, of, kind of self-publishing. I mean, I'm on my own publishing company, so I don't know if it's self-publishing when you're the publisher. I don't know, but it's, it's, <laughs> you know, but um, it's it, reinventing. It's like a whole new genre of publishing. It, exactly. Yeah. But the process moved so much faster than that. And even in this moment, mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, you know, 
Did we move too fast? Is this going to be all those things? So I think timeline is really, really important for people to understand, getting your expectations around it and for indie published authors to slow down a little bit, because I also think that's a big reason why traditional books do a lot better than indie Mm -hmm. books is because of all of those rounds of revisions, because of all of those, nope, go back to the drawing board and do this, that a lot of indie authors don't do. So I think those are important takeaways, even though it has nothing to do with the topic that we are on hand with today. (laughs) And I just quit before we go to the topic we're on hand today. One other thought too, I agree with you. And I think one thing that, in because I am increasingly like working with writers who are self-publishing or like interested in, in alternative publishing models. And I think one thing that, that was said to me from my publisher early on that made a lot of sense, because I didn't understand why. I was like, why is there such a long runway? I don't understand why my book sells and it's not going to come out for two more years. That just seems so long to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my editor said, well, we we have to create a place for your book to land. Yeah. Like there is so much marketing that's done. The marketing doesn't happen after the book comes out. It's no. all happening before the book. Comes exactly. Out. And I think that's a really good lesson. That's a really good lesson for people self-publishing too. Like it's, you don't just put it out there and then readers find it, right? It's right. not like build it and they will come. You <laughs> no, absolutely to, not. <laughs> you have to create a place for it to land so that people are waiting for it. Yes, exactly. I love that phrase. I'm going to write that down, create a place for it to land. That's great advice. Um, Okay. So you work with writers now and you help them um, establish their writing goals based on Enneagram type. So let's talk about, first of all, for someone who's never heard about Enneagram, what what does that even mean? What is it? The Enneagram is like a personality assessment. It basically, it's one of these tools like Myers-Briggs or, you know, I don't, other ones, I I probably- The INFJ, is that Myers-Briggs? Yeah, that's like INFJ. Are you, I'm an INFJ. Are you an INFJ? I believe I'm an INFJ. People don't believe me when I tell them that, but I'm pretty sure I am. It's a lot, it's a very uncommon one, INFJ, but a lot of writers are INFJ. Uh Anyway, that's not the, that's not the, even the Enneagram. Um, The Enneagram- uh, establish like there are nine personality types in the Enneagram model and they have numbers one through nine. And it's a way of describing your motivation. So what drives you? And I found it of all the personality tests I'm, I've taken. And I, I kind of, I love them. I just think they're fun to take. I've always enjoyed taking them. This is the one that really made me feel the most exposed when I took it. And also it really helped me harness like once I started reading about my type, which is a three, I'm a three. Um, it really helped me understand myself better and like navigate my own motivation better. So because of that, yeah, I now use, so I'll work with people now writing, writing books. So mostly writing novels and memoirs, and they'll work with me to finish, you know, finish their book projects, which is of course a giant, a giant undertaking. Mm -hmm. And so motivation becomes really, really important for like understanding what's what's driving an individual person and the same, like what kind of resistance they come up against. What, when they get stuck, why are they getting stuck? Like, what is the voice in their head actually saying? And the Enneagram helps under, helps us understand that. So we can figure out their type and then help them figure out ways of navigating around those internal blockers. 
You know, it's really funny. I've taken the test two or three times and I can never remember what my type is. Like I, <laughs> I, I take it and I think I can't remember if I'm a two, a three or a four or a two wing three or what. And I know that I thought I was one and my sisters were all like, oh no, you're definitely, if I thought I was a two, they were like, no, you're definitely a four, whatever. So I probably should take the test again and actually maybe print out my results because <laughs> I just, I forget stuff like that. I totally forget. But, um, Anyway, that's totally beside the point here, but how, uh, how, how would you, let's say you have somebody who's a two, I don't know if you want to go with it or maybe a three, since that's yours and you know it the best, how do you work with them to have that impact there? And what do you mean by writing goals? Are we talking word count? Are we talking what we're going to get out of, uh, you know, publishing goals? Like what are, what are the goals we're setting here with this? Yeah. So the goal, so everyone I work with is trying to finish a book. Like that's their, that's their first, is it, they're like trying to finish the draft. Many of them want to, to be published traditionally, but not everybody. Some are publishing it themselves um, or don't even, some don't even care about publication, but everybody's working on finishing the book. Okay. So what we end up, what I end up talking with people about is a lot is how, what comes up in that process? Like, what does it feel like when you you know, when you're like, oh, I'm at 10,000 words, but I'm stuck. I can't keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, and for each of the Enneagram types, it can manifest differently. So for instance, you said a two, and I think two is a really interesting example because the two on the Enneagram is the helper. And those, the, the helper tends to be the person who like the friend who remembers everyone's birthday, um, who like brings the, to the potluck, they bring the thing that took the longest to make. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not a two. <laughs> Those are the examples of two. <laughs> or yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I think you would know. Like your two, it twos give really thoughtful gifts. They're just always thinking of other people. They're anticipating other people's needs. Um, they're really generous. They're like the kind of person who who people would describe as selfless mm -hmm. often, and. They may be really successful, but I mean, my sister's a two, but they're always, they do things for other people. They're extremely thoughtful. Um, and so for a two, who's a writer, what is, can sometimes be tricky is carving out time to work on their book at the expense of the responsibility they feel toward other people. Okay. So, um, so for instance, I work with a two who she's, she's found success as a writer, but she has done, she's writes middle grade fiction, but she's done it by, she literally writes like in her van in the carpool line at school, picking up her kids. <laughs> um, or <laughs> she will spent there. That's a good place to write a book. <laughs> yeah. And she's found, she's found a way to do that in her notebook. Or she also, she was telling me this morning, um, she'll wake up in the middle of the night to get writing done because would shout when she said that some other people who were listening were horrified, <laughs> but she was like, no, this really works for me because it's so hard for her to step away during the day that because she wants to be available as a parent and, you know, you don't have to be a two to want to be available as a parent, I realize, mm -hmm. but like, I just think, um, the numbers can be really helpful in thinking this through because for example, um, an eight on the Enneagram is going to be very different than that. So an eight is, um, called like the challenger. Oftentimes these are people who are not at all afraid of confrontation. <laughs> like your friend, not an eight, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. <laughs> um, not at all afraid of confrontation. 
they do not hide their opinion. They like, they're the people who like bring up the controversial topic at Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone knows what they think. Um, Eights tend to, yeah, they like an eight, if an eight sets out to write a book, uh, they're kind of not going to worry about who they mow down along the way. (laughs) So that's what I mean. It's authors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you have, I mean, we don't need to go through all of them, but I'm just kind of giving you a sense of, of how no, I this think it's interesting. Has. You can, you can talk about this as much as you want to. This is okay, cool. <laughs> so like a, a four, a four is sometimes called like the artist. The fours really want more than anything to be unique and special to feel really unique and special. So they often they get paralyzed sometimes creatively because they don't think what they're writing is original enough. Like they'll get the paranoid, they'll be paralyzed by thinking, oh, I'm just writing the same story, everybody. I'm, this is too tropey or too cliche. Right. right. Um, So it's like battling that fear through, you know, talking, like talking around various things like, well, really, you know, a lot of the same story is just repeated in different ways. And, you know, things like that. Um, One's, for, I'm just thinking all the different writers I work with. So like ones, ones are perfectionists. I know we all probably have a little bit of a perfectionist streak, but ones are like Maybe. super perfectionists. <laughs> super perfectionist. <laughs> so they notice really little details and get really bothered if those are wrong. That can, that's a certain kind of being frozen, you know, or stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, These are the ones who never finish their book because they get so yeah. up on all the little details. Yeah, yeah, that's that's hard to watch as an author coach. That's really hard to watch. I've seen a few authors just get so hung up on on few things that they never they never get to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like a very specific kind of being stuck that like the four isn't doing that, right? Like oh. the four has a different fear, which is like, I'm not original, I'm not special. Um fives are five is sometimes like the the kind of caricature of a five is the absent-minded professor. Mm-hmm. So it's someone who gets stuck in the rabbit hole of research. It's uh-huh. like the person who comes to you and says, I've been researching for my book for 12 years. And I right. have started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a five. Um, threes, I'm curious if you're a three. So threes are, because you mentioned two, three, I wasn't, you said you're not a two. Threes are, tend to be, it's called, sometimes called the achiever, but threes are pretty high achieving. We tend to be pretty ambitious. Threes at the extreme end can kind of be workaholics. Like we pour ourselves into our work a lot. Yeah. Threes usually don't have a problem finishing their books. That's not the problem. Um, Threes have a hard time accessing their feelings. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) So, um, so sometimes, and this is what I did for years. I was writing and rewriting my book and it didn't have any emotions in it. It was, it was like clever. And Mm -hmm. I thought the plot was like smart, um, but no one was feeling anything in it, which is like a very three thing. Yeah. So that's a three. Yeah. Um, sevens, I'm just skipping all over here, but sevens are, uh, sevens are the life of the party. Often they're like really fun. They, um, they love chasing new, th- like they kind of have shiny object syndrome. <laughs> so sevens love starting projects. And sometimes in the writing world, sevens will be like the person who starts a bunch of different projects, but doesn't finish any of them. 
I feel like I might be a seven. You're calling me out here. No, I finished. I finished my book finally, but I was working on like four books at the same time. And that's kind of the way the next project is too. I'm like, do I do this one or this one or this one or this one? Or what do I do? Yeah. That sounds a little seven-y. And are you really fun at parties? I can be. Yes, I can. (laughs) Because that's a very seven attribute too. Um. So that's seven. And then the only two I think we haven't done are six and nine. Nines are the peacemaker. So that's like your, that's the person who's always like mediating. Uh-huh. Like if there's conflict at the Thanksgiving dinner table, it's the person who's like, let's all just get along. Like that's the nine. <laughs> Not a nine. I'm usually and, investigators. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the nine is like the, I've heard it called like the, um, the least ambitious of the Enneagram. So nines are pretty comfortable sitting just kind of sitting in what is. So sometimes nines can struggle to finish mm-hmm. um, because they tend to just like harmony and sitting in harmony. <laughs> and then- Writing a book is not harmonious, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then the last one is sixes. Sixes, um, I've heard it, my friend who's a six the other day described it as the nervous gatherer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so sixes tend to be sort of looking ahead to the future to be afraid of what's going to happen and then preparing for it. So uh-huh. they have like a catastrophe plan. They're the ones who are like, okay, we need a plan B and then a plan C. And so sixes can sometimes get in their head, like catastrophe forecasting what's going to happen. Like okay, but if I finish this book and then I'm not going to be able to sell it and no one wants to publish it. And then why did I do it in the first place? Like they can sort of spiral out into future catastrophizing. Right. How interesting. So, um, well, all of us need to go take this Enneagram test and then come back and re-listen to see how, how that, um, runs true for us. But once you, once you have, so I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but you have this group of writers, you're helping them write their book. Do you actually make all of your writers take the test and then you Mm -hmm. work with them specifically on how to, yeah, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So they'll take the test. They'll figure out what their number is. And then we talk about, um, various types of writing goals. And so it's not like a one-to-one, it's not like you're a six. So this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. It's more like, let's figure out what you are. Let's understand your motivation. And then let's look at all these different types of writing goals that you could use. And then see with this aware, this kind of new awareness of being formed by the Enneagram of being informed by the Enneagram, choose a writing goal type that feels really good to you. So maybe that's word count. You know, I'm going to write a thousand words a day, but maybe for a lot of people, it's not like word count shuts down, shuts a lot of people down. Um, I often, I write by hand. I write my first drafts by hand. Wow. So yeah, I, I started doing that with my second novel. Cause I was really like found the computer very daunting and it worked really well. So now I just, I, that's what I do. And so when I work with writers, I encourage them to try that, especially if, if the, if the computer's working great, but if it's not, I'm like, just try writing by hand. Cause it made a big difference for me. So for people who are writing by hand, sometimes page count can be good. Just count yeah. like, right. Like I'm going to write five pages of a notebook per day. Um, or I'm going to write a scene, one scene per day and 70 scenes makes a novel. Like that's a very calming to me. That's a very calming kind of goal. I'm going to write one scene per day, no matter how long it is. Um, or I'm going to find little pockets of time. Like I'm going to write, like looking ahead at the day and saying, I'm going to write in the carpool line when I'm waiting to pick up my kid. I'm going to write when everybody is like, you know, I don't know, 
taking a bath after dinner. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm going to find these three 20 minute pockets to get right. it done. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it's like looking at all the options and understanding your own motivation and then choosing what fits best with your personality type and your, your life and lifestyle. I really hope you're writing a book, Enneagrams for Authors, because this sounds like something really cool to dig into. <laughs> for those, for oh, those maybe I will. You totally should. I mean, all this new age stuff that's coming out, like I'm fascinated by all of it, but I, I really do think it does. I, just knowing more about yourself and how you do things, I was I was processing what you were saying there, and I was thinking about could I actually write a book by hand? I actually bought a really nice notebook in when I was in Paris not too long ago and I bought a really nice journal and my goal, and I was thinking I would write my next book in there, but then I'm thinking about how I am and how I process and how I do things. And I don't write linear. I write all over the place. Like I might have some characters and I might be into a scene and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this needs to happen to this person. And I write that. So, yeah. uh, you know, writing handwriting, but there have been actual so many, um, so much research that talks about how um, much more your brain connects into the creative aspect when you're actually writing with a pen on paper than it does when you're typing. So I'm thinking yeah. maybe I should try this and maybe I just, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be an order, I suppose, when I'm writing it in a book, handwriting it in a book. No, because then when you transcribe it, you can organize it. Exactly. Like the transcription process becomes when you're organizing it. Mm -hmm. um, like you're kind of curating it as you transcribe, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I found some, I found that research too. I was, because when I was working on my second novel, I had just had a baby and I had, like had a newborn at home and I just couldn't type. I would stare at the computer <laughs> and I couldn't. So I started handwriting and I found it so liberating that I was like, I have to understand this. There must be science on this. <laughs> so when I Googled it, I couldn't believe, like I, I found some of that too, that said like yeah. when you're handwriting it, your brain is doing things differently than when you're typing. Yeah, absolutely. Which rang true to me. That felt like what I was. It does. It really. It's. It's so. It's fascinating, actually, just how much different. And even I've seen some research on on the different colors that you write with, like different inks and with oh, those. Like, there's so much. Cool. I mean, if you want to get really nerdy, like you can really oh, dig cool. into some interesting research behind all of this. But um, okay, so, um. What would you what would you propose to authors who want to learn more about this and and incorporating this into their writing? What's the first? I mean, obviously the first step is to take the test, but then what? Yeah, I would just go to uh, the Enneagram Institute. Look up the Enneagram Institute online because they have tests. They have tons of like once you figure out your number, there's so much to read there. You could spend hours, <laughs> and it's like reputable. It's really rich, and I think. That just that understanding alone, I think, can really help people. Right, can help people approach their writing goals in maybe a new way because you know they'll kind of see like, oh, this is me. This is what I'm afraid of. So let me th have that in mind when I'm thinking about how I'm going to approach my next writing project. Yeah, and if they want to specifically work with you, well, tell us. I mean, it's your program isn't just about enneagrams and helping people with their goals. What what else are you doing? I'm sure it doesn't. No. 
my assumption. So, <laughs> yeah, it's so my they can go to the bookincubator.com, which is what my program is called, the book incubator, and then uh they can just read about it there. But basically I help people finish their books and then pitch their books if they want to be published traditionally Very cool. to to agents. And then so this Enneagram piece is is kind of like just one small part of that because right. you know to get books ready to pitch they first have to write them the <laughs> so, book incubator. everybody yeah, the book that. the book incubator exactly okay well do you have anything else that you would like to share sometimes I don't know if you had any key tips you wanted to share or anything like that this is your your open mic opportunity with whatever else we didn't cover that you want to get out into the cool. world <laughs> yeah I will I would love to say if leave people with anything. You don't have to have like hours and hours a day to write a book. I mean, you can finish, you can finish a draft of a book. I, I think I see people do it in a season. It's about how long I take to write a first draft. Mm -hmm. And like I said, people, once you find the right goal type and the right kind of writing schedule with your lifestyle, I see people do it when they have a million other things going on. They have full-time yeah. job and family and they're still able to get it done. So you can, you can make it happen. People are doing it. Yay. Well, I'm a testament to that. I mean, I'm running all these businesses and doing all these things. And I just, um, you know, this is funny comment here. I was listening to a relationship podcast because that's the season of life that I am in at 45 <laughs> years old and thrown back into a whole new world of uh, straight up insanity. But anyway, I was listening to this relationship uh, thing and they were talking about breakups and all these types of things. And I promise this is going to relate, but, um, the, the, the therapist said, you know, when people really, they were talking about relationships and, and getting ghosted by people or whatever, when people really want it, they'll do it. When people really want to do something, they do it. And I, you know, that applies. Mm -hmm. So, so with writing too, I mean, you can make excuses all day long. You can say you work a full-time job or you're doing this, or you're doing that, or, or all these other things. But at the end of the day, when you want it badly enough, you will make a way to figure it out and to do it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I like that. And I, I love that you listen to relationship podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let me just tell you that um, dating in your forties when you are uh, a mother is, uh, is, is wow. A whole That's new world. <laughs> That's just, I, mean, I actually, I, I, I'm this book that I'm publishing in December. It's supposed to be the first of a three book series, but I'm seriously thinking about putting the second book on, on hold to write about what life is like right now, because I feel like the women my age who are in this period need a book. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a do it. Book. I would love to read that book. Oh, yay. All right. Well, there's my first validation. So <laughs> It's all you need. World, oh my gosh! Well, this was a great conversation. Um, I really and uh, um appreciate learning a little bit more about this, and I'm going to dig into it. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Actually, is go take my enneagram test again and <laughs> figure out figure out what I actually am. But um, just to, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's also a two question test. Like if you just Google two question enneagram test, it'll come up on Reddit. That's the last time I found it. But that's also great for people who are just like, listen, I'm curious, but I'm not going to sit here for 30 minutes and take a test. <laughs> I want to take a test in three minutes. And it's pretty accurate. It's pretty really? Accurate. Yeah. That's crazy. A two question. Okay. I'm going to have to take that one just to see what just it to says. See, yeah. And I really, sometimes, sometimes I think I have multiple personalities. So I'm, I'm really curious to see, to do both, <laughs> to see if they're, if they match. Yeah. Um, 
but oh my gosh, so much fun. So make sure that if you are interested in the book incubator, you go to apply.maryadkinswriter.com. You can go to uh, Instagram and follow Adkins Mary, maryadkinswriter.com, all the links. We will make sure these are in the show notes. So again, you can go straight over there and just click on all of those links. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Thanks, Alexa. Me too. This was so fun. You don't have to give me your heart. You don't have to give it away. You don't Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.